Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights at Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher. This week we learn about Parashat Mas'eh. We'll read Parashat Mas'eh, which is at the end of the book of Bamidbar. That's what we read here in Israel. Outside of Israel, which has been lagging one parasha behind, uh, this parasha, uh, they catch up. And they will read Matot and Masay, whereas in Israel we will read only Masay. And Masay is, as I said, the end of the book of Bamidbal, and in a very real sense, it prepares B'nai Yisrael for their uh, crossover, their entry into the land of Israel. Uh, there are two major topics in this parasha. The first one deals with the, tr- the travels of B'nai Yisrael. Uh, over the past 40 years. Mas'e means travels, means journeys. And there's a very careful uh, list of every place where they uh, traveled from, encamped in, and then traveled again. Uh, we find that there are 42 stages that took them from Egypt to the plains of Moab, which is where they are now. And M- Moshe records all of these places, and we see from this uh, that in, in reality, uh, B'nai Yisrael uh, were never rushed uh, from one place to another, uh, except on the very rare occasions, most of the time, they had an opportunity to settle in uh, and get accustomed to the new place during the 40 years that they were going from one place to the other in the desert. Moshe records all of these, and now we are coming to the end of uh, this uh, 40 years uh, going through the desert. The next section, uh, the next topic, uh, which is the majority of the parasha, is preparing last preparations for crossing over the Yardane River to go into the land of Israel. First, uh, in this topic, Moshe tells B'nai Yisrael that they have to be prepared to conquer the land of Israel in a, in a full sense. Uh, and that will mean uh, destroying all forms of idolatry that are there. And Moshe says, you must be prepared to do this and you must uh, be prepared to conquer the land in terms of uh, the inhabitants. Because if you don't do that, then uh, the continued uh, presence of the inhabitants, especially in the form of their idolatry, will uh, continue to serve, to be a uh, an obstacle for you. So you must settle the land, settle it very, very uh, completely. And then uh, the Torah goes on to uh, talk about how they must uh, apportion the land uh, by tribe, by family, and using a lottery. And there's a very uh, uh, careful description of the uh, the boundaries of the land uh, as uh, as the Torah defines the land of Israel that will be conquered uh, during the time of uh, of Yehoshua, the successor to uh, Moshe. And as I said, there's a warning uh, that this uh, must be done. The Torah goes through the boundaries of the land, saying 
uh, telling us exactly where the, uh, the boundaries are. And for the division of the land, each tribe uh, will have a leader, will have a prince, who will supervise the division of the land uh, when the time will come. Also in preparation for the entry to the land, we're told that the Leviim, uh, who do not have their own territory, nevertheless are given 48 cities uh, where they are to, uh, to dwell, and that's actually scattered throughout the land of Israel. Uh, we're told uh, in great detail how the cities are to be set up, uh, that the city is in the middle uh, and surrounding the city is uh, a territory, an area uh, which is not uh, built up, and this uh, this is helpful for the city in terms of airflow, in terms of uh, aesthetics, and uh, along the way that we find out that there are cities of of refuge of uh, for the Levim, uh, six are cities of refuge, uh, and forty two are additional cities for the Levim. Cities of refuge are places for uh, someone to go uh, if uh, one committed uh, unintentional, uh, what we might call inadvertent, shogeg, uh, murder. Six cities of refuge, three on each side of the, uh, of the Jordan. And since we're learning about the cities of refuge, uh, the Torah goes on to go into some detail about the laws of murder and different types of murder. Uh, one, inadvertent, the person uh, was engaged in an activity where he should have been more careful, uh, but yet he uh, caused the death of another person uh, without intention. Uh, so such a person goes to the city of refuge, uh, both in order to be safe from the relatives of the person who has died, who might seek revenge and without knowing the details, and also in order to atone, to serve as a kapara, for the fact that a life has been lost uh, and uh, someone has to take responsibility for that. So he remains there uh, until the death of the Kohen Gadol. That's for inadvertent uh, murder. Then the Torah delineates uh, what happens in the case of premeditated murder. Uh, and uh, for that, there is a judgment, and a person who uh, committed premeditated murder uh, with, uh, with witnesses and warning uh, may very well find that he is uh, he's judged, he is, uh, he is to be executed. And the Torah says how important it is that... Um, the society in Israel uh, maintains law and order, especially in the realm of uh, murder, because once uh, murder becomes rampant, the uh, fabric of society very, very uh, quickly unravels. In the, uh, in the last section of the parasha, which is also the last part of the book of Bamidbal, uh, we have a, shall we say, a postscript to the... Uh, the judgment of the daughters of Tzalofchad. You may recall, Tzalofchad was someone who had come out of Egypt but had died in the desert. Um, He leaves no sons, uh, only five daughters, and they argued successfully that that the name of their father, Tzalofchad, should be maintained in the eventual division of the land 
uh, by by means of them, the the daughters uh, inheriting the land uh, that was meant for him. And in fact, the Torah teaches us that not only in this case, but in general, if a man dies without sons, his daughters inherit him. Uh, the postscript is presented uh, by the uh, other members, other leaders from the the tribe of uh, Tzolofchad, which is the tribe of Menashe, and they uh, they acknowledge the fact that this decision has been made, uh, but there is a problem. The daughters of Tzolofchad are currently not married. If they marry someone from another tribe, then the land that they inherit uh, in the division of the land uh, will eventually go to the tribe of their husbands. And so they uh, present this as uh, as a problem. Uh, the uh, the solution uh, is given uh, by Moshe as inspired by Hashem, by him, as instructed by Hashem, that says that uh, this point is a, a valid one, and therefore uh, it is decreed that the daughters of Tzolofchad or any other woman who is in a similar situation in this generation. Um, may marry anyone she wants, but she must marry from within her tribe so that her territory does not uh, get taken uh, from one tribe to another. And the Torah tells us that the daughters of Tzolofchad uh, fulfill this. Uh, they all decide to, to marry uh, within their tribe. They, they marry their uh, cousins. And this brings us to an end of Parashat Mas'eh, as well as the book of Bamidbar. So the conclusion of the parasha is that these are the mitzvot that God commanded Moshe uh, for B'nai Israel uh, on the plains of Moab uh, opposite, uh, opposite Yericho, which is on the other side of the Jordan. This is their last station before they will cross over the land, uh, into the land of Israel. I'd like uh, to, to take a closer look at a part of the parasha uh, in which the Torah talks about the importance of uh, conquering the land. Hashem speaks to uh, uh, Moshe uh, and says, Israel, speak to B'nai Israel, say to them, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, um, you shall uh, dispossess all those who dwell in the land, uh, destroy all their forms of idolatry, figured our objects, etc. Um, and you shall uh, take possession of the land uh, and dwell in it uh, because I've given this land to you. And there are different ways uh, of reading these psukim uh, in terms of uh, the, the focus on taking over the land. Um, one way of reading it is as a bracha. The time will come that you will, uh, you will inherit the land. But the Ramban, um, I'd like us to look at, uh, the Ramban regards this as more than just a bracha, it's actually a mitzvah. Uh, you're uh, probably aware that uh, our rabbis teach uh, that there are 613 mitzvot commandments in the Torah, 365 negatives and 248 positives. Um, but there is some disagreement among later commentaries uh, as to exactly which parts of the Torah 
uh, are account as individual mitzvot. Uh, the Ramban says that this uh, pasuk, this verse, uh, is an actual mitzvah. Uh, he, in this way, is in disagreement with, for example, the Rambam, uh, who does not count the settling of the land of Israel as a discrete mitzvah, a prerequisite for other mitzvot, but the Rambam doesn't regard it as a separate mitzvah. But the Ramban does. He says that you have to take possession of the land and uh, and dwell in it uh, because I, Hashem, have given this land to you. Uh, the Ramban says, in my opinion, this is a uh, this is a mitzvah. The mitzvah being to settle the land, to take possession of it, not reject the land that God has. Uh, has designated for them and so that's one way that the mitzvah could be violated by just ignoring it the other uh, would be if they decided if the people would decide to pick a completely different land and settle it as their homeland in place of uh, the land of Israel that would be uh, also an example of a violation of this mitzvah According to the Ramban, it seems that this mitzvah, which we call Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, the settling of the land of Israel, is a mitzvah that devolves, it would seem, on the community. Not on the individual, but on the community. Uh, but because it's so important, uh, the Ramban says that therefore uh, there is uh, an individual obligation to participate in the settling of the land. The mitzvah it applies to the, to the people, uh, but every individual contributes. Um, and uh, he gives examples from the Talmud uh, about just how important this mitzvah uh, is. And therefore the Ramban considers this as uh, a positive commandment. He says it's mentioned uh, in other words in other places, but that's the fundamental idea. And um, in this sense, he also disagrees with Rashi, um, who regards these verse, these psukim as a bracha, but not necessarily uh, a mitzvah. But the Ramban insists that it's a mitzvah. Uh, and so, also, in the Ramban's uh, commentary on the Rambam's Sefer HaMitzvot, Book of Mitzvot, uh, the Ramban has a number of mitzvot that, in his view, uh, should have been counted as mitzvot, uh, which the Rambam had left out, and this is one of them. Of course, that would mean that uh, the Ramban would have to uh, disregard something that the Rambam had considered a mitzvah, so that the numbers, the bottom line numbers, uh, are all the same. 613 mitzvot, 365 negative, and 248 positive. Uh, but the Ramban's uh, idea had uh, have really uh, been used to support uh, an entire approach to the importance of uh, settling the land of Israel, including uh, in our times uh, when uh, this opportunity is once again uh, afforded to uh, B'nai Yisrael. And anyone who has the opportunity to, to participate in that, uh, certainly uh, the Ramban would regard such a person as uh, participating in this mitzvah uh, as a part of the nation that is so commanded. I thank you very much for joining me uh, for this examination of uh, Parashat Masei, the end of the book of Bamidbar. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher with uh, Parashat Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.